0: Every day, for the duration of this time of tumult and change, Cood Street is spending ten minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of unexpected time on their hands. Today, I'm spending ten minutes with Hugo Award winner and best-selling author of the Laundry series, Charles Stross, who joins me from the wilds of urban Scotland. Hello, Charlie.
1: Hello, Jonathan. Uh, well... Wilds of urban Scotland, not so much. I'm in a top floor apartment, 200 meters from the centre of Edinburgh, the capital city. So there's no garden to go into, and I'm going slowly stir crazy because I've effectively been on lockdown for a month.
0: I think that the wilds you're coming to me from are psychological rather than physical. Oh yeah. So, so are you are are you surviving the the being pent up? Are you able to to function?
1: I'm writing at maybe 10 to 20 percent of normal because uh, when you live through history in the making. It is very, very hard to focus on uh, your immediate work, especially if it's creative stuff. Um, as for reading, I'm mostly just reading junk. I've got a Kindle Unlimited subscription, and I'm plumbing the depths, because I, it seems to me that you've got to know just what the common tropes are out there in circulation. Um, Micro-subgenres you'll never find being published by the likes of Tor or Hachette, like, for example, Lit RPG. Mm-hmm. Um this stuff is everywhere, and um, it's interesting and informative. Even if I'm not writing it, okay. Also, that's that's just an excuse. Actually, for slightly more chewy literature, I'm currently reading The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood, which has been having a bit of a buzz. And next on the st- on the stack behind it is Middle Game by Sean McGuire.
0: Have you have you read Middle Game, or is that on the to be red pile? That's on the to be red pile. Mm-hmm. Um, the thousand
1: doors of January. Mm -hmm. Was it the 10,000 doors of January? That's one I'm intermittently dipping into and going back to because I keep getting into it a bit and then stalling. I'm probably only about 15% of the way in, though, which is probably why I'm stalling. It's a little bit of a slow start. My take is it's a bad idea to go to authors for recommended reading because we read so much less than critics. We're too busy up our own heads creating stuff. So, I'm actually a very unreliable guide to what you should be reading.
0: Well, maybe, but what I also have found is that you know when you talk to authors and and other readers about what they're reading, you can sometimes be quite surprised because they're reading tangentially to what people would casually expect. You know, the last thing that you're going to be reading normally are laundry files type novels. You're not reading Ben Aron- Aronovich right now. Not that that's exactly the same, but you know, that's kind of space.
1: I like Ben's work. I like Ben's work a lot. I stalled on the Peter Grant books around book five. I've got to go back and read the new ones. Um, having said that, no, you're quite right. What it? We write stuff that we can't get on the shelves, or there's something different about it from what's available. Um and what we read for relaxation is entirely different from what we actually do for a day job.
0: Let me ask you this. I mean, you've got these books on your 2 read shelf. If you were talking to, to you know, the listeners now and thinking about what they might read at a time like this, whether it would be comfort reading, whether it would be those challenging books that they've been setting aside for 40 years and have never got to, you know, what do you think are the, the things that might be worthwhile for readers at a time like this.
1: I've been doing a deep dive also into urban fantasy and paranormal romance just because. In particular the thing that isn't appealing right now is zombies and pandemics. This is not the time to read The Road by Cormac
0: McCarthy. No. I, I feel for Lauren Booker who has a a plague novel coming out in 5 minutes time kind of thing. And I just think I wonder whether people will be ready for that. I mean maybe some will will find it oddly therapeutic. There was
1: an interesting phenomenon in publishing in 1991 when the Berlin Wall collapsed in 89, and in 91, there was a Soviet coup. The Soviet Union disintegrated, and the whole bunch of techno thriller authors were left high and dry with books in production that postulated a hot war between the West and the Soviet Union in Europe. And I think we're going to see a similar phenomenon with zombies and apocalypse novels in the next year, in that there's stuff trickling out that... If people had had 2020 foresight, they wouldn't have dead start. Um, I blogged about this the other week. There's a, I was considering a zombie novel at one point and it's just dead for that for foreseeable future. Um, absolutely. There's no point going into an elite panic stroke pandemic scenario at this point when we're all getting a ringside seat of the real thing.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, you were saying, I think somewhere online the other, you know, recently that the whole idea of attempting a near future book seems almost impossible right now.
1: Absolutely. I mean, would anybody have predicted five years ago that we'd be in this situation now? Um, the event horizon is five years in near future or present. Um, I was working – when my father died in mid-2017, it derailed a novel I'd been working on for a year. Um, I had just parted company with my American publisher, Ace, at that point, and was working on a new novel on spec, but is still – unfinished, or rather, I finished a first draft, I was halfway through the rewrite when Dad died. And it's one I hope to get back to this year and hopefully get with a publisher next year. Space opera, set about two-thirds of a million years in the future. Our species is only known about through inference based on genetic studies as the last common hominid ancestor. Um, you know, we are as extinct as Australopithecines today. But there are still humans out there. And um, my primary goal for this was derail this, Mr. Trump.
0: <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I'm interested because I remember having a conversation with you at some point where you were saying that space opera no longer held any attraction. But obviously the, the need to get away from the present makes it much more um, intriguing.
1: Absolutely. I have also handed in what I think for now is the last Merchant Prince's book, Invisible Sun. That got derailed by my editor David Hartwell dying, by my father dying, and then my mother dying. And now COVID-19 just came along too late to derail it, but it was a near thing, which is why that one's going to be five years late. I felt the need to give it a somewhat more upbeat ending than the previous books in that series, just because.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you this, I guess, because the other thing we talk about is what, what you have coming out. Now, I know that as we near, much to my personal shock, the 20th anniversary of the beginning of The Laundry Files, you've got a new Laundry Files book coming out. What can you tell me about that and what else do you have coming?
1: Okay. That book is titled Dead Lies Dreaming and it should never have existed. Mm-hmm. It's a laundry files novel for marketing purposes. It shares a universe with the laundry. The only character from the previous series who appears in it though is the prime minister, his <laughs> dread majesty, the black pharaoh in a cameo on TV. It's really a whole new series. Um, it's about what civilians are doing, principally thief takers and police and criminals, superpowered magical criminals in the world of the new management, um, which is Not so much post-apocalyptic as trying to – political satire trying to keep one jump ahead of the dismal state of the world today by, well, heads on spikes at Marble Arch, this sort of thing. Um, Basically, when my mum was seriously ill and clearly in terminal decline, I could not work on the books I was supposed to be working on. So I gave myself carte blanche just to do random creative shit, and much to my surprise, six months later, a novel pops out. Um, now, this doesn't mean I'm abandoning The Laundry Files as such. It's just there is a defined story arc there with one or at most two books and a novella to run before I finish it. Um, I like the universe, though, so I just, and it's kind of gone discworld on me. It spawned.
0: Are, are you surprised to still be in, in The Laundry Files world nearly 20 years later?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got very little more to say about Bob. Um, Bob is getting one last novel and that's it, but, uh, everything else has taken off. And, um, the thing about Dead Lies Dreaming is I got to the end of it, then realized, talking to some friends, but actually this isn't the end of that story either. So I'm currently halfway through the sequel. (laughs) Now, the original laundry novel started out parodying specific British spy thriller writers, Um, I iterated through Len Dayton and then Ian Fleming and um, Anthony Price and Peter O'Donnell. Um, You might not be too surprised to learn that Dead Lies Dreaming and the probably not yet titled officially sequel tentatively called Meat Lies Bleeding riff off different genres. Specifically, Dead Lies Dreaming is Peter Pan, grown up adult criminal Peter Pan versus the Necronomicon. Um, let us remember Peter Pan is at the original book, Peter and Wendy, by J.M. Barry, is really, really dark. Um, Peter is an urbane sociopathic serial killer and kidnapper of children, um, who is so alienated his own shadow won't stick to him. Um and the story was written By Barry, as a way of explaining to children in Edwardian England why their brothers and sisters aren't coming home from a hospital. Because infant mortality before age five back then was about 20%. Small children had to know about death. Um, So I basically riffed off Peter Pan in the Laundry Universe, and it oddly worked. And I'm probably not giving too much away if I say that the sequel one is riffing off two different sources. One of them is Sweeney Todd, <laughs> and the other <laughs> of them is Mary Poppins. Ah,
0: uh, it, like, uh, it sounds like fun.
1: Yeah, and I have some notes scribbled on the back of an envelope for book three in the series. Should I get there? Um, all I know about it for sure is Charles Kingsley's The Water Babies with deep
0: ones. <laughs> Well, it, look, it does but, sound like yeah. distracting yourself was worthwhile.
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to go on to book three for a while because first I've got to go back to the space opera from yeah. the 2017, Ghost Engine, which to my embarrassment Orbit actually bought in the UK, even though it has no U- U.S. publisher. And they've been very patient with me, <laughs> and I am determined to actually finish it and hand it in before it's more than five, before it's five years late, like uh, like Invisible Sun, which is coming out next March in theory.
0: Well, I, I mean, cool. it's on
1: my editor's desk.
0: <laughs> well, I shall look forward to Ghost Engine. It sounds fascinating. I have Dead Lies streaming here. It'll be out fairly soon. Uh And hopefully, even with all of the madness out here, people will be able to get hold of it from local independent bookstores and online and all that kind of I thing. I hope
1: so. I really hope so. Because the book industry in general is, go- is going through convulsions at present.
0: It is. It is. We ha- I mean, hopefully there will be another side to this. I mean, I th- there will be, obviously, but, I mean, hopefully there will be. Non-ap- less apocalyptic than we fear. What
1: I know about what's happening now is I'm hearing very little from my editors because they're scrambling like crazy to ensure that the books that come out of the next two or three months don't crash. Yeah. Which is likely to happen if they don't get out there and push because printers are shutting down, bookshops are closed, ebooks are doing fine, but not everybody reads ebooks and they're in the tank if they don't do something about that. Yeah. I have no expectation of getting any. Uh, I, no, sorry. Let me rephrase. I would be utterly unsurprised if the publication dates for Deadlines Dreaming and Invisible Sun don't get pushed back a few months. Yeah. Simply because they need breathing space. Yeah. Um, having said that, those books, uh, Lies Dreaming is actually in production. I'm waiting for page proofs. Yep. Invisible Sun is in edits.
0: Yeah, so it could drift a while.
1: Yeah. Anyway, well, beyond what, that, yeah,
0: you just have to yeah, wait and see. Beyond, yeah. Who knows?
1: Beyond that, yeah, beyond that, the next two books, the sequel to Dead Lies Dreaming, working title is Meat Lies Bleeding, but that subject to Dead Lies Dreaming was originally Lost Boys before yep. a TV show came out with that name. Yep. Um, never argue with a TV show in Amazon search. <laughs> yes. Nobody will find you a small book. Um, well, that book is half written. Beyond it is the big space opera Ghost Engine, which yep. I was halfway for a rewrite of when things went bad. And after that, who the hell knows? Because at that point, we're talking middle of next year. Yeah,
0: let's wait. Uh, the writing end. Yeah. Well, look, I want to say thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. I genuinely appreciate it. It's been great, and hopefully we'll see you somewhere down the, down the road. And hopefully, the you know, when Dead Lives Dream comes out, it will fall into the hands of. All of the eager readers who are going to enjoy it.
1: Yep. Thanks very much for inviting me. And I hope everybody does like what I'm working on. Okay.